Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hey, everybody. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing good. Man, I'm really happy to be here today. Me too, man. I've missed you guys. Oh, we missed you too. Uh, we're feeling the love today on Genre Exposure. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Genre films and love. That's what we're all about. And I'm actually pretty excited about this episode. This is a cool one. This is different. Speaking of love, this is a special episode. It's our first one where we are covering a film that has been suggested by a listener. Yay! So that's something we've been wanting to do from the start. We thought we should roll a little bit first, get the wheels turning. Yeah. Uh, suggestions are slow to come in. So if you're listening to this, man, recommend us yeah, some. Yeah, give movie. us some. Give us some. This yeah. one comes courtesy of Adrian. Yeah. Yep. And it is the film Devil's Pass from 2013. Also has other names too, but we'll get into that yeah, sure. as we yeah. get to the thing. Mm-hmm. But so, the but the good part, I mean, it's all good, but like I look forward to talking about what I watched during the week. Mm, always. That's, that's kind of my favorite part of the podcast. Yeah? Do you want to go first? I go, do. you want to leave with that? I yes. will, because let's, I let's have in. I have one that I actually enjoyed. I usually come on the podcast and I'm like, guess what shit I watched this week? <laughs> watched Look at real, you, man. Turning it around. A real turd of a movie I've, this I've week. I've got that one for us, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, so... As everybody knows, I'm a huge uh, shiller of Shudder. Yes. Um, we all are. Shudder shiller. Shudder shiller. I, I do love Shudder. Uh, I like a lot of the content that they bring that's like, um, you know, brought in by Shudder and like mm-hmm. Shudder exclusive stuff. Cool place to see stuff that you don't normally see. I but. would say their Shudder originals are consistently better than like the other streaming networks. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I've come across a couple duds mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, well. It can all be gold. Yeah. But. For the most part, I've usually yeah. enjoyed what I've li- what I I've agree. watched. Mm. Um, so this one is one of those. It's from 2020, uh, directed by Cody Callahan. It's a film called Vicious Fun. Oh, yeah, I've seen that pop up. If you guys, super cool poster. It's very uh, neon kind 80s. of 80s. Yeah. So the question is, is it Vicious Fun? It is. It actually is Vicious Fun. So basic premise of the film is um, uh, main character Joel is actually a film review writer. Um, for a magazine, so that's kind of <laughs> like a, one of those, oop, oh, here we are. It's a little close to home. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> um, but he's pining after his uh, roommate, who um, she doesn't really want anything to do with him. Oh, the whole roommate situation. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. Um, but uh, he, she goes out on a date, and he sees this dude, follows the dude, because he's like, that guy looks like a creep, and follows him, ends up going to a bar, um, has a couple drinks with the guy, gets completely shit-faced at the bar, Tries to go to the bathroom and passes out um, in a closet because he you went to the wrong room. Uh, but when he wakes up, he comes out and in the bar, there's like a circle of people sitting there. And it is turns out to be a self-help group for serial killers. Mm. Mm. Um, and so now Joel finds himself in this weird situation where he has to kind of like bullshit his way out of it. And so he pretends to be a serial killer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually got a great cast of uh, some super cool like... Uh, character actors in it david uh keckner keckner i can never say his name right but he's the um he's been in everything but he was in anchorman uh the sportscaster in anchorman oh, oh yeah he okay, was yeah, yeah. in um krampus yeah yeah, 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 yeah. krampus yeah. as well um also has julian richings have you have you guys seen him I think so. um you'd recognize him if you saw him i'll show you a picture of him okay oh yeah 
Um, that does nothing for the listeners. Yeah, but. it does nothing for the <laughs> listeners. But so he, it's that one guy, listeners. You've seen him in everything. He's always popping. He up. pops up in a lot of um, like horror films as usually like a weird character. He's got like a very specific look to him. Uh, the, what else has he been in? The thing that maybe some of our listeners might know him from is he played Death in Supernatural. He was a couple in a couple episodes of that. Never watched it myself, but yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people have. Yeah, so he played Death in that. Um, oh God, his. His IMDb list is insanely long. He's usually just playing bit parts. He's or one of those character actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a character actor that pops up in everything. He was so much fun in this because he's kind of playing outside of his normal role. Nice. Um, oh, God. The other guy of note that I thought was super cool that uh, I like a lot, his name is uh, Robert uh, Milet. He is a dude that's like seven feet tall. Um, but he showed up in Pacific Rim as one of the Alpha Cherno uh, drivers, like the Russian guy. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And he's kind of playing like the Jason Voorhees type killer <laughs> or whatnot. But kind of just insanity ensues with this. It's so much fun. It, it's it's really fun. My only beef with the film is um, it kind of it's set in the eighties, mm-hmm. and I didn't see a point of that. Oh, and they're just shooting for the the only thing the appeal that of it. yeah the only thing that I really could take that like maybe here's the reason why you'd set it in the eighties is because you didn't have a cell phone and every event in the movie would have mm-hmm. been negated by if someone had a cell phone. <laughs> That's one of the problems with horror films. <laughs> so that could have been why you know, but it mm-hmm. also has a killer soundtrack, very synthwave. Um, I had so much fun with this man. I, I really did. It's just a lot of fun. Some cool. great one-liners. You should definitely check out Vicious Fun. True to its name. On awesome. Going on my watch list. Yeah. We'll do. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Jason, Jason, what's your pile of poop? Um, my pile of poop this week. <laughs> Alright, well, the uh, devotees of the show know that I'm a sucker for slasher films. So I went and watched um, <laughs> Last Slumber Party from 1988. <laughs> Sounds mm-hmm. like a winner. <laughs> <sighs> no, I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be. I remember seeing the video art when I was, you know, a kid in the video store. And mm-hmm. it's very, very 80s, very neon, very cheap. It's like these, it's kind of like a play off the old Slumber Party Massacre videos. But it's just these girls in like lingerie and there's some dude coming up behind them and he's slitting one of their throats. Get used to that because that's the only kill that is used <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's horrible. It's a shot on video cheapy made by people trying to cash in on a slasher phrase that was already dying. Um, the director, Steve Tyler, he plays the killer. Steven Tyler? Not the Steven Tyler? Tyler? No, that oh. would have been more interesting. Oh. Uh, but this guy... <laughs> so the killer has this surgical mask, gown, get-up thing to hide his identity. So his only weapon is a scalpel. Okay. And he's played okay. by, the, by the director and... <laughs> Uh, I have to quote Justin Kurswell here, who does the site Hysteria Lives. Uh, the director plays this role with all the subtlety of a silent movie star. <laughs> oh, it's just, oh, yeah. It's just wide eyes the entire time and arched eyebrows. And, oh, I'm so evil. That's actually probably the, the most vicious comment you yeah. can give us about his performance. It's so that's, good, yeah. It's like, hurts really bad. I had to but quote you, that. But it wasn't mean. Right. <laughs> it, just, it just really hurts. I'll be honest, I wasn't very keen on it until you said that, and now I kind of want to see it. So, Oh, if you like cheese, if you like bad movies, it has its moments, but mm-hmm. it's just such a... Oh, it's a slog. And it's only like 80 minutes, but it feels like... Because <laughs> the characters aren't likable. It's an hour and 20 minutes, the longest hour yeah. and 20 minutes of your life. It's, it's an ugly movie. It's definitely shot in 
one of the producers' houses or something. Mm. Uh, you, you, you can't fake late 70s, early 80s decor like this does. <laughs> it's like a Muppets poster hanging up on the girl's bedroom at one point. Um, Stranger Things has been trying, and yeah, they just right. still can't do it. But yeah, every kill is with a scalpel across the throat, and it's the whole you know squirting blood across their neck. There's no appliances. There's no gore effects. Well, I mean, oh, they God. say if you're only good at one thing, learn to do it well. <laughs> well, they weren't good at it. They should have practiced more. They were. That's what they were doing. They were just practicing on film, and then they were like, "Yeah, it's good enough." But it's I mean, fine. if you're if you're a fan of the late cycle slasher films, cheapy shot on video, sure, check it out. There's also a Riff Tracks version on Amazon mm-hmm. that's actually pretty amusing. I watched it too, and that, nice. that you loved it that much. <laughs> well, I wanted to see what they had to say about it. I mean, it they, they make it bearable. Was it streaming for free on Amazon? Yes. Okay, so I was going to be. I was going to be like, you rented it and rented Rift Tracks. You gave <laughs> no. this movie that much of your money. <laughs> no, I watched the movie itself is like on Tubi, I think, like that something one of those. Um, but yeah, you yeah, know, Tubi well, doesn't come up enough. They actually have quite yeah, a good catalog. Yeah, they do actually. Uh, so yeah, you know, if that's your thing, go watch it. <laughs> if not, I've, I've warned you. <laughs> I do love slashers a lot, and it is one of those things where like. Eventually, you think you've seen it all, but I, I promise you, you haven't. There yeah. is always more stuff like this oh, out God. there. Yeah, there's, just, in the 80s, there's so much. You dig deep, you can find it. Yeah. How about you, Dustin? What would you watch? Okay, well, I've been on a binge of found footage films. Watch him be like, I watched 12. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about one film today. I'm back on the wagon, following <laughs> okay. the rules, good. doing good. Uh, I'm working on a little thing for the Grimoire a Review a group, group Project. Uh, we're talking about found footage. So I'm trying to watch a few that I've never seen before, and that brought me to this film called Be My Cat, a film for Anne. Oh, yeah. I've heard about you this. You guys heard about this? Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. like the title, though. So uh, it's about an aspiring filmmaker who gets obsessed with Anne Hathaway after her performance as Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. And he decides that he's going to kind of make this like demo reel of some of his ideas for a movie that he's going to send to her. And then impress her so much that it will convince her to come and make a film with him. Sounds logical. Right. Okay. (laughs) I I wish I could remember the director's name. I just lost it. But um, it was his first debut. And it's all like very documentary style found footage. Just his perspective. It's the director playing the character. And he is truly one of the like strangest, most absurd characters I've ever seen in one of these kinds of movies. And the plot is basically he will hire... It's like an aspiring actress or a model, and he wants to do some of these like test footage scenes for his film. And it goes into this really weird direction of him like kind of harassing them, and he is constantly comparing them to Anne, mm-hmm. and he really just has this overwhelming obsession that like leaks through throughout the film, and it starts to take this darker turn where he begins to like abduct the women, torture them, murder them. Hmm. It's very, very gritty, very raw. And in a way, it kind of is like, it's what I wish the Poughkeepsie tapes was. Because mm. you guys know I didn't feel very good about that one. Right. I thought the killer was very unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it wasn't quite as extreme as people pass it off as. Well, in Be My Cat, this is believable. You watch this and you're just like, shit, there's probably a guy out here that's like this. Hmm. And it's his acting, his execution of everything. Adrian Tofey is the name of the yes. director, by the way. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, really good, really stunning, very disturbing. This is a foreign film, too, isn't it? Yes. And I think he's working on a few other features now, too, which is cool. So I hope he keeps making stuff. Um, Romanian filmmaker. Yes, Romanian filmmaker. Interesting. 
the other thing that stood out about it to me is the fact that like the way uh, he made it, there was no actual shooting script. He spent a lot of time like figuring out what would be the psychology of this character, how would he choose to interact with people, and how what would be his like line of decision making. And so all he had was like a skeleton of plot points, and the goal would be like we're going to hit these plot points, but otherwise we're just going to keep it natural and just whatever happens happens. Interesting. Which you get stuff like that in Blair Witch, but I think even that was more. There's still more staging to it than right kind of how they did it and he shot something like i think they said 25 hours of footage Jeez. oh my god tons and tons of extra footage and then like a real documentary maker he took that and watched it all and like trimmed it down to make mm. the actual story that's cool i wish that there was a blu-ray version of it that had oh, i'm sure there probably is a blu-ray of it um but i wish that the cover quote was ew Anne Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the one thing I looked and tried to see if she had ever seen it or was aware of it. I, I don't know. <laughs> Just like either ooh or what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> truly a crazy film. Very entertaining. Very would, chilling. Would you describe it as being extreme? I would say it borders into that. It was never like crazy graphic. Like I wouldn't call it a Serbian film kind of thing. Right. Or... The, the, the term extreme I've seen lately has been thrown around a lot. There's been a lot of YouTube videos and stuff about it. And some people have an idea of what's extreme that isn't mm-hmm. really extreme. But I mean, will, it's all relative. I will say if you go looking for it, like I tried to find a Blu-ray or a DVD and the place that was selling it was one of those boutique labels that mostly deals with extreme cinema. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like borderlines into that category, I guess, cool. for people. We'll have to tackle something extreme soon. I don't consider Poughkeepsie tapes extreme. No, no, not at all. No. We'll do that. Might be my next pick. You never know. Uh oh. Holy crap, wait. I have to choose the next movie, don't I? Oh, no, it's me. It's Michael. Oh, don't worry. Back the fuck off. You're I'm safe. fine. I just, I hadn't done that yet. Stay it's me. in your lane, bro. It's me. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Of course I knew him. He's me. <laughs> set that up last time so kind of how we're going to do it we're going to keep through our rotation of picks but at the end of every round of them if we've got a listener suggestion we are going to take it on tackle one of those first give some love back you know you don't have to we don't have a patreon you don't have to pay us for this we just love watching movies yeah and we want to watch stuff that you think is neat i mean you can pay us for this but you know we're not asking for it and there (laughs) there might be something that comes along that you guys might recommend and if if all of us have seen it it might be something that we skim over because mm-hmm. part of the, the reason that we do this is to try to introduce each other to movies that we haven't seen. Right. right. Exploratory. So, so if you do send something to us and we're like, ah, we've all seen that, you know, like don't be discouraged. Um, but it's just kind of more of the reason to find something that maybe you think is an undiscovered gem mm-hmm. that, you know, other people might not have seen or you think is underseen. So like mm-hmm. if one or two of us haven't seen it, we'll definitely try to give it a shot. Yeah. Now as oh, luck yeah. would have it, only I had seen this one before and the two of you had not. Yeah, yes. I hadn't seen it. It was actually on my list of possibilities too. So it synced oh, up nicely. So it lined Interesting. Up well. mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause it's kind of underrated. You don't really hear a lot of people talk about devil's pass. I had not heard of it at all. Right. Actually. All right. Well, let's get into it. Then. Let's do it. Let's talk about devil's pass from yeah. 2013. All right. all right so devil's pass it's got another title like we were talking about so originally it's the uh pass incident yes and if you watch this when you get to the credits that's actually the title that comes up right on the film i guess they thought american audiences wouldn't be interested in something called the atlov pass incident too much foreign in it i guess i don't know 
Well, I mean, it's, it's set in Russia. I mean, come on. Hell, we. I mean, all three of us worked at a video store. You know that that wasn't going to go over well because people couldn't even pronounce "fast and furious." It was always "fast and fearless." <laughs> yeah. So if you give them a Russian name, they're gonna be like, "You got that uh, that uh, Daya d- uh, uh, that 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 new movie." <laughs> so I mean, I get it. That mountain one. You get one about mountains and people in it. And... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we know. We know. Yeah, Devil's plus, Pass is probably an easier sell for us Americans. I do, real quick, before we go too deep, I want to complain about that title, though. Devil's Pass. Please, and, go right for it. So, when we went to watch this, it was surprisingly hard to track down, I thought. It didn't used to be. Right. It used to be streaming everywhere. It looks like the kind of movie that would be streaming on everything. Mm-hmm. And it's got this other title, Devil's Pass, which is just lame. Makes no sense. The cover art that they have for like the DVD looks almost like a clip art thing that they've just sort of composited oh, yeah. together. It's very low budget. It mm-hmm. seems like the kind of thing that would be in every $5 bin mm-hmm. at a Walmart, like 20 copies of it. Yep. I can see that, yeah. But the only thing you could do was you could rent it on Amazon or what? It was streaming on IFC, IFC. and AMC Plus, yeah. I think, maybe? Correct. Just very niche, out-of-the-way ones, and I was kind of surprised by that. We used to be on Netflix for like years. Like I'm shocked it's not still on Netflix. Netflix was probably like nobody's watching this. We're just, <laughs> it seems like we're the, tired of paying the five dollars a month to keep this thing on here. It seems like it would be the perfect like Netflix. You watch one thing and then it recommends this, and you like you know jump over to it. Sure. Well, I know there's. So I did notice something interesting. So I watched this on the IFC. Um, As did I. Trial. Mm-hmm. Quite a few other films that were. On that service, there's not a ton on there. There's a couple good ones, but a couple of the other ones were ones that were streaming on Netflix at one time and mm-hmm. are no, and are now no longer. So I bet this was probably lumped in with some distribution deal, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like you take these movies, like you don't get to just buy this movie for right. distribution. You got to take all these movies too. Um, but I did notice so. If you were to want to watch this movie after we talk about it, or if you just decide you don't want to at all, that's fine. But if you do want to watch it, um, it's like a seven-day free trial of the IFC, but there's also Autopsy of Jane Doe on there, yeah. which is only available on their streaming site right very now. Very good, very good Which movie. is a fantastic movie. So Got the blue on that one. Even if you did you know, just do the free trial for this, there there are a couple other things on there that you that are worth watching, or if you just want to pay for the month or but, you know, yeah. whatever. It's it's there, but I think that's probably why it's not streaming anywhere else because it looks like some of those other movies were ones that were streaming on Netflix that got lumped into another package. Right. So that's probably what happened with it. Makes sense. Yeah. Um. But however you choose to watch it, because I'm sure there's a blue out there of it somewhere. You know, sadly, not in our region. It, there's really? A, there's a foreign Blu-ray you can pick up, but here it's just a DVD. Well, huh. then if you're a true Dietlov's Pass incident fan then you'll <laughs> obviously buy the, you have a multi-regional you'll buy the multi-region player, right. player and uh <laughs> buy the region free for it got it in the mail <laughs> do you really yeah oh <laughs> yeah. Those spoilers about my thoughts i liked it enough to go pick it up okay uh well so let's talk about director of this movie because right. that's kind of what d- drew us to be like "Ooh, this is an interesting one to do right that's really where we should start so who directed it uh rennie harlan right yes Randy Harlan. Randy Harlan. Probably most famous for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master. I would say he's most famous for Die Hard 2. Really? I think in the, well, in the, horror, in the horror community, it's Nightmare, but right. as a general film thing, probably Die Hard. Yeah. Sure. And Cliffhanger. But I think we can all agree that The Dream Master is a better movie than Die Hard 2. 
Like, you watch your goddamn mouth. <laughs> you watch your mouth. Show's over. <laughs> Tell me, does the Nightmare on Elm Street have uh, naked William Sadler? Sadly not. So That's the only thing it's lacking. Does Die Hard 2? Yeah, but that alone doesn't make it I better. rest my case. Yeah, well, no one becomes a cockroach in Die Hard 2 and gets squished. That was not going where I thought it was going to go, <laughs> since we were talking about naked uh, William Sadler. I unfortunately have to side with Jason on this one, because unfortunately. the Dream Master's probably my favorite Elm Street sequel. I mean, I'm totally full of shit right now, and I'm <laughs> basically pissing on all of this, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's probably where most people first really heard about Renny Harlan, but he did a movie before that called Prison that was actually pretty good. And it was one of the movies, back in the day, my family, we would all rent, we would go to the video store, rent movies, and my parents were into horror. We'd always get a horror film. And we actually saw this before Elm Street came out. Mm. But uh, it has Viggo Mortensen in it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, It's a decent movie. There was kind of this quick prison craze in the late 80s, like this and Shocker and the horror show. There was like a bunch of prison set horror films, and this was kind of one of them. Kind of got lost. (coughs) Reagan. (laughs) <laughs> wonder what sparked that that could hmm. be that could be <laughs> sorry you never know um but yeah prison's pretty good i recommend watching it but other than like what i know him from is kind of his action run right. of like big blockbuster action yeah, cliffhanger uh which is a bad shit movie man it's fun though i love it yeah absolutely but the shit they got away with like <laughs> as far as stunt wise goes oh. that you're like who Paid, who said it was okay to do that? No. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a lot of shit that he got away with on that. But, I mean, they're still doing that, aren't they? Uh, not to that level. Mm. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, he kind of went to the director's jail after Cutthroat Island. Oh, the, yeah. The massive fiasco that was. I think yeah. it cost like $100 million and made maybe 15 or 20 or something like that. Ooh, that's a big flop. Yeah. <laughs> and he tried to come back with that with Long Kiss Goodnight. Mm-hmm. Gina, that, that also flopped. Yeah, Gina Davis. Yeah, they were married. Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. They were married. Interesting. Wow. Long Kiss Goodnight's not bad. You know, I never saw it. It's it's actually not bad. Mm. It's I, one I of those. Well, it wasn't good enough to save his Hollywood career. Apparently, <laughs> didn't he do something? Didn't he do the last Boy Scout too? Um, the sequel or the first one? I don't know. The first one's Tony Scott. Oh, that's know. right. Yeah, that's Tony Scott. This first one. Yeah. I don't know. Never mind. Because I didn't know if that was like Last Boy Scout T O O. Or last Boy Scout TWO. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Either way. Yeah, I mean it was it's one of those things that if you were to say like Rennie Harlan to somebody, it's not like they'd be like, Ooh, Rennie Harlan, but it's more of like if you're kind of a film nerd mm-hmm. and grew up maybe in the same time period that we did, you might recognize oh, you his know. yeah. Definitely. You might recognize his name and seen some of the stuff he's done. Also infamously, he replaced Paul Schrader on Exorcist the Beginning. Mm. And reshot like ninety percent of the footage that Schrader had done, because apparently Schrader's cut wasn't violent and like you know actiony enough for the executives. You know, as The Exorcist needs to be. Heaven <laughs> <laughs> forbid, there's nuance. Yeah, well, Schrader's cut came out a year later, called Dominion. They both suck. I mean, don't watch either of them. Uh, kind of like Dominion, really. Bit, yeah. <laughs> I was looking it up because I couldn't remember the name. There yeah. is a Rennie Harlan film I really like that's like, ooh, it's probably not good, I wouldn't say, but uh, The Covenant. Do you guys know that one? I never saw that one. It's the weird, like, it's kind of, I don't think it's meant to be connected to Underworld, but it's kind of a lot of the same production staff. Yeah. And it's basically like a reverse version of... Um... Who was in that? I just lost the name of it. What's the movie with like the chicks that are all witches? Craft. Craft. 
it's kind of like a reverse version of the craft where it's like four sexy boys that all do magic and they come to their hometown and they're like each going off the rails and oh, stuff. I, thought, I, I do that, remember that yeah. movie. Yes. I thought, yeah. I thought that was a David Dakota movie. <laughs> it would feel like it, but no, it's, it's directed by Rennie Harlan and it's not good at all in the least. There's no way you could ever make that argument. But I remember. Oh, okay. This I don't is coming know. back to me now. I it was this. kind of fun, man. I don't know. I, I remember, remember the cover. The cover yeah. is blue tinged, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing it's, it's that. It's distinctly the underworld, like blue tinged. Yeah, yeah. Everything. Yeah. I remember seeing that at video productions uh, many times, and I did. <laughs> I rented it at one point, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this movie, <laughs> this look, dude. I don't know. This looks pretty terrible to me. Uh, Are you saying you're not into hunky boys, Jason? I didn't say that. We I learned just... nothing from Psycho Gorman. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the hunky boy component, but it's the fact that it looks bad component. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I can't pass judgment. I'm probably not going to go watch it, but you never know. So I'll admit, though, when I went in to Devil's Pass, I did not have much of an expectation at all. It's actually one of the few times... <laughs> that's a secret weapon. You're not expecting much. <laughs> I think that's important, though, because this is one of the few times where I didn't know jack shit about the movie going in. Right. Um, well, probably what we should set up. This is based on an actual you know, incident... Urban which, legend, which, yeah. urban legend which you learn about all through the film. Well, it's a real incident. That really happened. Um, but I mean, a lot of legends have have happened. Right, since but the but the thing surrounds that sure. that surrounds it is more of infamous than right. the actual incident itself. And I love conspiracy theories and weird supernatural stories and stuff. So I already knew about all of this going into the film. Right, which I did not. Which was I think kind of made it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Why don't you tell us about this? Sure. So. The actual uh, Dyatlov Pass incident, it was an incident where there were nine Russian hikers that died in the northern Ural Mountains between the 1st and 2nd of February 1959, and their deaths were due to unknown circumstances. Uh, they were an experienced group. They were all, you know, regulars for mountain climbing and stuff like that, uh, led by Igor Dyatlov. They established a camp on the eastern slopes of the Kolat. It was a... Mountain range. I think they tell you in the film what's like Death Mountain or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's very really impressive to. looking in the movie. Um, something happened during the night, and it made them cut out of their tents and flee the campsite, underdressed, not prepared for the weather at all. And between heavy snowfall and sub-zero temperatures, come the morning, they were all dead and kind of strewn out about the mountain. Uh, once they were discovered and they started investigating into it, there were all these strange sort of particulars about the bodies that made it seem like they couldn't piece together what really happened. So uh, they determined that the six had died from hypothermia, while three others had been killed from physical trauma. One victim had major skull damage, two had severe chest trauma, and another had a small crack in the skull. Four of the bodies were found lying in running water at a creek, and three of them had soft tissue damage on the head and the face. And two of the bodies were missing their eyes. One was missing a tongue, and one was missing its eyebrows. So when they investigated this, their official conclusion on what happened was it was just some sort of compelling natural force that had led to their deaths. Well, and the film goes into, uh, what is it called, a hypothermic um, paradox? Right. Paradoxical hypothermia Mm -hmm. is what the film calls it, that you, because of... Um, hypothermia, you actually think that you're warm mm-hmm. and you do things that you shouldn't do in the cold. You'll right. strip down. You'll like, strip down and be naked and stuff. And so that you'll... They tried to attribute this this paradoxical hypothermia 
to almost all the deaths that right. and almost everything that happened was due to the paradoxical hypothermia, which I think if you're any sort of remotely um, conspiracy theorist that's worth anything, you'll be like, bullshit. Right. That's, <laughs> that's not a satisfying yeah, that's answer. That's not an answer that I will accept. Uh, there's numerous theories out there from avalanches, uh, infrasound induced panic, strange military experiments, or any combination of it. Uh, very recently, talking like 2019, 2020, Russia had a new investigation on it, and their final official conclusion was that it was an avalanche that started everything and led to their deaths. Uh, due to the avalanche, they were likely forced out of their tents early and unprepared, and as things worsened, they just got stuck out in the environment. Sure, Russia. Um, of course, people still aren't happy with that, so... Well, they never are, are they? They probably never will be. That's the, the whole conspiracy, point of a conspiracy theory. theory. Ideas yeah. are so well, it's much also more tantalizing. A, it's also a boring answer. Right. Well, usually the most mundane answer is the right one. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> right, usually that, that's Occam's razor. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> right. it's an Occam's razor thing. They do that in medicine too. You know, like sure. don't, don't look for the you start at the basics. Don't yeah. look for the zebra in the room when it's likely just the thing right in front of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that the film does a great. It's it's actually interesting that we're watching this now. With the amount of conspiracy theory that's free flowing, oh yeah, through like it's gone beyond. To me, it's gone beyond the fun conspiracy theory. <laughs> you know, of like, wasn't well, that the weird thing about conspiracy theories? They are so much fun until you you go down that road so yeah. far. <laughs> until it's until because I do think there's probably a a level of acceptance in most conspiracy theory around like the Dyatlov pass, like Bigfoot Mothman kind of a thing that you're always like, well, I don't know. Well, it used to be just theories. It wasn't like a conspiracy. You know, there was people, there's a mystery and people posit solutions. Those, mm-hmm. and they, right. could, they could be outrageous or whatever, but it didn't used to be, everything wasn't controlled by some grand cabal of <laughs> Illuminati. You right. Know? Now the, it's interesting that this one can pick up steam because there's already so much distrust in, the Russian government, right? Especially as Americans, I don't know if we have any listeners from other countries or not, but especially if, as Americans, we have the Cold War to thank for our complete distrust of Russia and it's still everything. To this day, yeah, yeah, right now, still. So anything that comes from the Russian government, Americans are really quick to be like, "Oh, that's absolute bullshit. That's not true," and they're hiding something. And you see some of that in the film. I think there's some good segments at the first part where they're just getting over there. Mm-hmm. and um, they're kind of hanging out in the bar and exploring the town right. before they hit the mountain. And there's a lot of, like I would say, like casual racism almost from some of the characters. This is probably the most unlikable characters I've seen in a movie in a long time. I don't think yeah. they're that bad. There's a couple <laughs> that I really didn't like. I don't mind the main um, the main girl who's, um, what's her name in the film? Holly. 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 Um, I have some issues with her acting because she's British, and I don't understand why they had to make her American. Oh, I want to talk about that because some of the times where she's reading information off, she just straight loses her American yes. accent, and just speaking in her normal <laughs> British accent, and I'm like, the fuck, what? Yeah, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why she could did... have been British? Yeah, yeah. She, there was no reason that she had to be from the United States. Don't you know that English actors are the best in the world? Well, I mean, that's actually not fully untrue. <laughs> so um, the actress is also named Holly. It's Holly Gross. Goss. Goss. Mm-hmm. She really Dang. didn't do shit after yeah, this either. Bad. Really? I, I looked her up on IMDb, and there's just very few credits. I, Actually, mean, I, I liked her in the role. I she thought was, she was good. She, she was, was good. actually my favorite one to watch. Um, the actress that they got to play, the sound um, technician, seemed a little bit of a shoe-in. Gemma yeah. Atkinson? Yeah. Who played Denise. She seemed to be a little bit of a shoe-in because they end up having a little love interest like... 
mm-hmm. tent hookup thing happening. It was really not that crucial to the plot. <laughs> no. At all. But all it really did was make you hate the other characters more. <laughs> like, <laughs> that you're okay that they're going to die. So I, think, I, guess, I guess to set it up, who, yeah. who these people are and what's even going on, what is the like setup for this film? The whole thing is this, what you would expect, kind of this grad college crew. They're going to go research the past and try to find out what really happened. So Holly organizes everything. She's got her, um, her DP is Jensen, who's like her best friend, it seems like, who obviously has a huge crush on her. Yeah. She's, she's got she's that screen, like, horror nerd vibe going yeah, on. Yeah, he's a big conspiracy theorist. He's probably the See, most... I thought he was likable. Oh, I hated him. Really? Yeah, Why? I actually... He was just so dismissive of everyone's opinion that wasn't his. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I'm identifying with this guy. <laughs> no, like it's. I don't know. He, I think the reason I had so much trouble with him is because he sounds so much like what we're currently hearing in um, modern culture. Of there's very logical explanations to something, but instead yeah. of being like that's a possibility, he's just straight up. You're full of shit. Yeah, he's like it's a yeti. Obviously, it's a yeti. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're full of shit. You're wrong. I'm right, and everything else sucks. So that I don't know. Maybe that just hit a little too close to home for right now. He yeah. rode the line for me. A lot of the times, I thought he was just like kind of quirky but likable. But then every well, now and again, he would like stretch over into obnoxiousness. Okay, maybe this is a better way to put it. I thought he was a realistic character. I'll agree with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. he was realistic. I mean, it's not like I want to be his buddy and hang out with him, but he was a realistic character. He was such a fucking asshole in that bar. Yes. That's actually probably what made me hate him the most, is once they get to Russia and they go into a a bar, you know, just they're trying to feel out ways, you know, about the incident and, like, what people think well, about it. Well, that's a great it. scene, too. So I love it when the barkeeper pours the drink for them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the scene takes its time, too, because you see him set up the glasses, you know, he's pouring the shots, you know, sets them on fire and everything, and they, they drink it. And they're like, you know, what was that? And he points at the picture of the Atlov crew behind him, saying they were here, this is what they drank before yeah. they left to go to the pass. It, that is a good scene. Yeah. Um, and I think it sets it up well because of the... The fact that they're all going to this past to prove that it was really nothing. It's like they want to prove that it's something, but in their mind, they know it's nothing. Mm-hmm. But the superstition that hit them right at that moment of when they realize, oh, shit. Yeah. These people were it's here. Very foreboding. And yeah. did the exact same works. thing. Yeah. But And to skip ahead, there's great payoff, too, because when things do start to go to shit, there's the part where I forget who does it. It might be Jensen, but he accuses her of what's happened. And he says, like, you came out here to recreate this quest of these people that ran up the side of the mountain and died what did you think was going to happen to us yeah I, was it jensen or was it jp the, might have been they hook up they get a couple of other characters before they go like some experienced hikers jp right. and andy and she's kind of sweet on jp they try to hook up at one point he's actually the most likable character i think in it yeah mm-hmm. he's yeah. very down to earth natural yeah. we're in the community that um, i live in is a very kind of hippie hikerish community and he reminded me of like anybody that you would oh, sure. see. Like, sure. does he even have like a soul patch or sort of a soul yeah. patch? Yeah, he reminded yeah. me of like anybody you would see out and about in the town that I live in. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you could be that guy. <laughs> I think you should be traveling with a dog called Professor Mambo and have a big bag of weed on him. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been, yeah, that would have been fitting. Eli Roth should have played him. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's for me. Jensen was just kind of. 
so obnoxious that I don't know. Oh, you really don't like Jensen? I didn't. Dang. I really didn't like Jensen. Wow. I had a lot more trouble with Andy, the other hiker. Well, he's your typical right. overly confident jockey type. Maybe womanizing sort. But when they get into uh, maybe the... womanizing, and he definitely womanizing. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's what JP says about him. Well, that's also he tried to film the girl that they were that he was um, sure shacking up with right. without and, really and her permission. Yeah, at the fire, JP tells Holly that like, oh, that's <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's, that's his, bad. That is bad. That's yeah. his she thing. does see he it at some the, point. Uh, though. Uh, he does the trail hookup. He, like every time they go hiking, that's his thing. Yeah, He'll pick a girl and focus on her. Right. Hook up with her, film it, and then just kind of be whatever, go on. Real sleazy. Yeah. So, I I think we're, I mean, we're jumping ahead for some few points that I think were kind of fun. Like, the whole beginning of this film is really just the setup mm-hmm. of, you know shit's going to go down. Well, it's, like, it's very much kind of the Blair Witch thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It even starts with news broadcast saying that, you know, missing hikers footage has been leaked to the internet. And that's this is what we're seeing is supposed to be that footage that was leaked to the internet, right? Right. And I like that setup because it, it perpetuates this conspiracy theory thing of like, oh, the truth is being suppressed, right? Which continues throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you, you know they're doomed from the start. I think the thing that really cracked me up, though, I accepted it because I I knew that this movie didn't have the budget of something that could really take its time, but it took them no time to get to Dyatlov's Pass. <laughs> it was like they were hiking and then all of a sudden they're there. I appreciate that too, though. It was kind of, it almost needed like two, two or three like quick second scenes or something just to show them hiking in like maybe some uh, different terrain. There's a little bit of that before they get to the because there's that shot of the mountain in the distance before they get there. They're already there at that point, basically. They just <laughs> it got, gets the fireworks factory. I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah, it, you know, it got there quick, it but the point. and to me, it was almost like you needed one more frame in there of like just something mm-hmm. to to build a little bit of time lapse. Because I was like, wait, they're already there. Why are a bunch of other people already gone to this thing? Because it doesn't <laughs> seem that hard to get to. Well, it's probably easier to get to now than it was in what 59. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's like how Mount Everest has become a tourist attraction now because it's so much easier to climb than it was back in the day. Yeah, and all the trash that's. I mean, on I couldn't do it. it. No, but, fuck. Yeah. No. <laughs> I can't climb your steps without wheezing. So. And there's some more good ominous setup uh, while they're on the way there. Sergey, the guy that agrees to like drive them and get them close. Yeah. Uh, he drops them off to meet. Uh, is it an ant? I think. Or yes, oh, she was a. Aunt. She was the only survivor because she got. Well, she was no. on the rescue team. Yeah. Res- rescue, right, 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 right. Right, and she says that they saw 11 bodies. Right, there were two o- more. Only there were nine hikers to begin with. And then Holly questions her, That's and right. she says, I-, I know what I saw. Oh, yeah, yeah, she yeah. straight up, yeah. like, just about bitch slaps her, too. Like, right, I fucking yeah. know what I saw, American But they go to a hospital in, in an insane asylum mm-hmm. to see, to meet the guy who was supposed to go. He got sick, On the trip, right. but he got sick. But the hospital officials are like, oh, he's dead. He died. Go away. But they look up and he's in the window holding a sign in Russian yeah. that says, like, stay away. Right. Which they have to get someone to translate for them, too. Yeah. They took a long time to get somebody to translate <laughs> that for them, too. When, like, the dude who's driving them around, like, he fucking speaks Russian, man. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he reads it, too. Yeah. Like, you could just been, hey, dude, what's this say? But you know, I like but, that, too, because it shows just, like, how unprepared they are for what they're trying to do. That's wow. true. That is a really good That is a really good setup. That like, they, you would think the first thing is you would want someone that could be your translator. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why they chose to be Americans because um, 
arrogance arrogant <laughs> yeah we would be the only people arrogant enough to be like i'm gonna go to this country that doesn't speak our language and try to make a documentary and go not take anyone that, wilderness. Yes, not take anyone that speaks the language <laughs> so there was one scene and it's kind of within this realm of where we're talking about that i actually i caught it and i rewound it because it was so fun it's before all the shit really hits the fan um and it's just a shot of Holly sitting there, and I think she's talking to Jensen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's broad daylight, and but the camera is sitting there, and you can see the the tents behind them. Um, and I think this might have actually been where they found the um, the tongue. Okay, yeah. I think it was before this. You, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, they're sitting there talking about childhood experiences. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's talking about the dream that she's always had. And, and being she, drawn to this place. She realized it was Dietloff Pass at some point. So in the background, for just a tiny second, yeah. two figures mm. crawl. Yeah, I caught that. Like, mm-hmm. over the hill, and they're gone. And I was like, the fuck? Yeah. Like, I was expecting a jump scare right. coming pretty soon. And so I rewound it, because I was like, did I see that right? Yeah. And I rewound it, saw it again. And nothing. Yeah. Like, it was just this beautiful little insert of a foreboding thing that you're because you don't get to see what it really is. Yeah. It's, right. also, it's also portentous that it shows up during their conversation about. Yeah. And just the way they shoot it, too, where it's out of frame. They don't do anything to draw your focus to it. It's no. just there. If you catch it, you caught it. Right. Yeah. But they're kind of lumbering, you know, like you don't, it mm-hmm. looks humanoid. But you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So it already in your mind, you're like, oh, maybe it is like a Yeti type thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so at this point where I don't know much about the movie, I don't know what to expect now. Right. Like because of that scene, I now have no idea if this is a monster movie mm-hmm. or what it's going to be. Cool. And so, they do a good job of kind of playing different sides. Like they find weird big footprints mm-hmm. that kind of lends to the Yeti thing. Yeah. There's the tongue scene you're talking about where they find it's a little... Looks like a blind, yeah, a hunting blind, it's like a little weather station type yeah. mm-hmm. thing. And inside it is a tongue, which we know from the story that someone had their tongue cut out. Yeah, so that's ominous. So they really like each line of what it could be. They give you a few clues that kind of push that, mm-hmm. but never for sure tell you that's what's going on. And they brought Geiger counters to picking up some radiation at one mm-hmm. point because that's. I don't. I think this is one of those legends that got added to the story. Is that some of the bodies had high levels of radiation? I don't think that was actually really confirmed. I I think that got attached to it later on, decades later. It's it's easy to throw that on though because of all of Russia's Cold War experiments. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's just kind of ingrained into the thought there and especially with what happened with Chernobyl later. Yeah. It's it's very easy to think that. So once they get to the the Dietlovs pass and they really figure out like this is where we're at. And they start to set up camp here. Because, of course, let's camp here. Of course. Yeah, why not? That's let's the just, whole point. Right? Let's just relive <laughs> the entire experience. And some of them are spooked at this point because a few of them want to go find a different spot. I think the weirdest thing that happens is that the uh, the hiker guys, they know kind of the time frame it's going to take them to get there. And they arrive several hours earlier mm-hmm. than they should have. Yeah, their GPS is messed up. The compass is spinning around. Yeah, one dude makes it a point to say that he hiked the Himalayans with this compass, and it's all like this is a specific compass, and it's always yeah. mm-hmm. it's always spot on, you know. And one of the characters admits that he kicked that map in the river, and oh wait, that was a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> I so, will say though, it starts out kind of Blair Witchy. They they leave that behind pretty quickly. Yeah, I it, felt it like. does. It does. Yeah. 
So what they then kind of the next little piece that they give us to really throw us on a different trail because we already at this point we're thinking okay well this is where the monster shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at this point where they find the little bunker, right? Yeah, they find a door hidden beneath like the snowbank. Right, it's Holly and Jensen, and they're doing the Geiger counter thing yeah, that you're talking it's about. It's really high there, and they find this real high concentration. And she kind of starts digging in the snow a little, and then she's like, you know, "What's going on? I found something here." Mm-hmm. Right, and they dig it out, and it turns out to be a fucking bunker door, like yeah. a, a military style. It's got the wheel on the outside. You've got the turn, and it's already unlocked. Right, they say, it's but it's, it's frozen, frozen shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which they talk about, you know, like whatever this was designed was to keep something in mm-hmm. because this Watching is the type outside, of yeah. yeah so but they interestingly choose not to tell the other hikers about right. it it's getting late and they'll they say let's talk about it in the morning right we'll tell them then so they go back and this is when the the <laughs> you get the heart to heart with jp and holly and he's like here have some of my whiskey mm-hmm. and this is what keeps me warm on the trails and yeah what keeps the other guy warm is you know banging hiker chicks and, and, and jensen shows up on this and he picks up you know they get real quiet and he's like oh <laughs> okay i'm the third wheel fine i'll just walk away yeah jensen's very much an incel <laughs> <laughs> i think he's just he just likes holly you know and it's not returned and that's also something I can kind of, you know. <laughs> we better jump on through this one pretty quick before Jason loses his shit. So, Michael, final thoughts. Do, wait, <laughs> thoughts in the he's, not, he's not a jerk to Holly. He doesn't do anything to her. No, he's but he's asshole. a jerk to everybody else. He kind of has that like weird, like white nighty, I'll defend her kind of vibe. I, I didn't pick that up. I really didn't. I didn't pick that part up. The Uh-oh. part about people being mm-hmm. wrong about the. Oh my. <laughs> so this has, been, uh, this has been genre exposure. Uh, it's probably the last episode we're going to do now because uh, I've been canceled. <laughs> Jason's done. Uh, tune in next week as Michael and I try out our new host. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Well, anyway, um, so an avalanche happens. Yeah. Well, they they hear like they basically hear the avalanche Mm -hmm. um, and they get up and run from the tents and they're running from the avalanche and the the poor sound chick. Yeah. That dude just leaves Denise behind. (laughs) Yeah. Denise just gets completely destroyed by the avalanche. Like she falls and the dude could have picked her up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he could have helped her. Well, you see him pause and hesitate and then he just like turns and runs. Right. And so Denise is now gone. But in all honesty, I mean, how would anyone react in that situation? Hopefully that you would try to help somebody. You would hope so. But, I mean, people in crisis and those types of... I mean, I would hope after the trail hookup, she meant a little more, but... (laughs) But He had his phone. I guess he had his phone, so he had his memories. So he was good. Uh, So, yeah, one of the crew crew is now gone. And so it's already starting... he breaks his leg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A huge fracture, like bone sticking out. You know. So this already I like that part too because they're they're trying to like reset it and stuff and they're like, dude, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. And the camera <laughs> kind of pans around and you see the bone sticking out. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's just but a scratch. <laughs> but I think it was interesting that the movie then threw the avalanche in there too, though, because it's really it's almost like it's proving everything that's been said yeah. that's gonna happen. And but yet at the same time throwing the viewer in all these different directions, because then you're like, well, maybe it was an avalanche, and now the rest of this is going to be a survival film mm-hmm. kind of a thing. We also hear those booms before the avalanche happens. Right. Know. They right. thought, so they think that someone started the avalanche. Mm-hmm. The, they And they specifically, they think the Russian government started the avalanche to cover it up, because right. they were too close to the truth, and they were going to find out something they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. 
So at this point now is when I think they reveal that they found the bunker, right? Because yep. all their gear is gone. Right. They don't know where they're going to go. They don't have the supplies to make it back down. They shoot a flare. They shoot a... Not... It's, it's around this point where they shoot a yeah, flare. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're totally screwed and they know it. Right. And then not long after, some Russians come up the hill. And they, yeah, they see two two people hiking towards them and they don't really have a lot of gear. Yeah, that's what the... What's that dude's name? Uh, Andy. The one who got his leg broken. They, like, don't they don't have, have packs. How'd they get up here? Yeah, they don't yeah. have gear, so it's kind of clear that they're they're yeah. there for a reason. You and know, he and says, they don't go, go. You know, give me the flare gun. So he fires a flare at them. And they start shooting, and they <laughs> shot him immediately. Yeah, they shoot him right in the head. One shot, one so, kill. He's out. Yeah. So then they're forced into the bunker. Right, which they they do make a brief thing because where they said it was frozen shut, they do say a brief thing. Well, if we pour hot water on it. Yeah. You know, we can get it open. Well, that's what they do, mm-hmm. you know, and are able to, to get the door open. They go in the bunker, and this is where it gets straight up found footagey to me, like more so than it did, because now we get the night vision cam. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And everything is now, since we don't have the environment, like the cold environment as the threatening environment, now we have the, we can't see anything. Right. They're locked in the dark in this bunker place. Just as they're shutting the door, JP gets shot, so he's injured too. Mm-hmm. Right. Not like a mortal wound or anything yet, but uh, shoulder. But yeah, now there's gonna have to deal with this bunker. What's in here? It's obviously abandoned. It's obviously mm-hmm. old. They're going around. They're finding all these old records, all this busted like typewriters and machinery and stuff. And this is where I really love the film a lot because they start to take these other conspiracy theories and like mesh yeah. and blend them in. Uh, Jensen finds stuff about the Philadelphia experiment, which is supposed to be this U.S. top secret experiment with the Navy. At the uh, Philadelphia Naval Shipyard Mm -hmm. in 1943. And it was this destroyer, the USS Eldridge, where they were doing all these different experiments. And there's some debate about what it was. In the film, he says it's teleportation, which that gets subscribed to it sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think officially what most people say it was to do with like a cloaking technology to make a ship invisible. That's what I read. But they say that uh, it went wrong, and sometimes like some of the crew got fused to the ship. Yeah, and there's pictures of that, which yeah. I thought was really awesome. Too. It reminded me a lot of the uh, the Cloverfield um, paradox. The, yeah, the Cloverfield paradox, where it's kind of what they did. Yeah, it's kind of inspired by that too, I think. And they did you ever see that one, Jason? Yes. It, it's not great. It would have been better if it wasn't trying to be tied to the par- uh, Cloverfield movies. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. there were great scenes where like. You'd open up the, they'd open up the ship panel or whatever, and somebody would have like be fused, fused it into stuff, it, yeah. and it's like things running out, and it's super yeah. fucking That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, no, I like that. But it's cool because it's this idea that like, okay, so the U.S. has all this weird conspiracy stuff, mm-hmm. Russia's got this weird conspiracy stuff, and then maybe it's all like interlinked and interweaved. Yeah, it's also super believable because of the Cold War shit. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's trying to one up the other, and I mean, granted, that would have been before the Cold War, but. It's believable because mm-hmm. that's even like a lot of UFO sightings from the time. They'll you you have to say like was it a UFO type thing or was it just you know Russia doing something, the U.S. doing something like counterintelligence, right? So as they start to find this stuff, um, that's when they start hearing people in the in the bunker with them now, right? Yeah, they realize they're not alone. Yeah, they are not alone. They are joined by poorly rendered CGI monsters. Okay, okay, we have to talk about this. <laughs> we do. So the monsters, they're like, they're kind of tall, like really slender, like corpse-like. They mm-hmm. have elongated features. and Very descent. Yeah. They're like the crawlers from the descent. And, and yes, they are CG. 
Yes, they are spotty CG. <laughs> yes, they show them in clear, full light in front of the camera for more than yeah, they should. But they're also kind of like phasing in and out. You see them kind of bamfing around here and there. Which is I important. I thought it was kind of a cool effect. It didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Yeah. I also knew this movie didn't have much of a budget. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could have done better with like cheaper practical effects and then not show as much or something. You could almost always do better practical as, effects. As is with almost every film. Because this is really the spot where I got the most critical of the film. And it's because as I was watching it and you've got the CGI creatures popping and jumping around, mm-hmm. they're running quickly like room to room. It made me think of when you go to an amusement park and they have those motion rides. <laughs> and you know you sit in the chair and it like lifts up and moves and rocks and they like shoot mist in your face and all this stuff to make <laughs> it feel real. And what you're watching is usually like a POV video mm. and there'll be some kind of weird CGI monster or spaceships or something going on. It felt like that suddenly just spliced into the movie. Yeah. Maybe like a first person video game. Yeah. You know, like what I got from this scene was and I it'd be interesting to know if I was right or not, but I got studio involvement. From this scene, that have we the need, big moment. that we need something super scary, and we need... which I, I agree with, but I, I think it, it should have been practical, right? But they that... could have found some super skinny people to put in there, <laughs> put makeup on, but that would have cost more money. Oh. This was clearly done by we'll fix it in post kind of thing. Yeah, this was clearly like... done by a, a like a third year 3d game designer that, that was like it's like playstation 2 looking i feel bad because if for some reason the guy who rendered those poor creatures is ever listening he's like it wasn't a third year i graduated i just didn't well, get you, much time you're only gonna get what you pay for you right know, that shit's not cheap so it didn't bother i mean i didn't it like doesn't it. ruin the movie no it, it, it does, does kind of take you out a little bit but i always got to be hard on cg like that so but i for me the payoff makes up for it. Mm-hmm. So when they're trying to get away from them, they end up kind of going into this area. That... Well, they kill JP first. Right, yeah. And the monsters get JP. <laughs> yeah. But they don't really show it enough to me. like no. Because they couldn't, because you're interacting with a CG thing. Oh, so wait. You... They also find a soldier in there who's missing a tongue. That's a recent corpse, too, who's missing yep. his tongue. Oh, yeah, and they think they... Uh, so people have it. been there recently. They also, I think, attribute it to the tongue that they found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the weather station thing. Yeah. But as they're trying... I don't even remember how they got to the portal thing. Well, they start running away from the creatures, and they find themselves in that area. It's like this natural tunnel. And they, there's this yeah, weird, like, keep, stargate thing in there. <laughs> they keep taking different doors, and that just happens to be one they get stuck behind. There's nowhere else to yeah, go. Yeah, they're stuck there. So and this is kind of funny for me, because I really dug this. I thought it was super cool, and I also misheard the name of the ship. I thought they said USS Eldridge. Oh, and so like Lovecraft. I immediately went Lovecraft <laughs> because I didn't know about the Philadelphia experiment mm-hmm. before. I looked it up afterwards just because I thought it was kind of an interesting yeah. theory thing. So I thought they said the USS Eldridge, and I thought we'd gone like <laughs> who would name a ship Eldridge? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that's inviting the, trouble. That would totally be something named in a Lovecraft story, though. Like, they named it the USS going to get eaten by giant monster. <laughs> it's you like know? when you're watching a science fiction film and there's a ship called Icarus. Yeah. You know, it's not going to go well. This is not going to end well Why for you. you call it that? <laughs> God. But I thought this was super cool because to me, it tied all of it together yeah. that, like, they were fucking around with stuff they shouldn't have been, and they ended up entering a world that they didn't belong in. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially what happens because now their only chance to get away from 
that these monsters, these bad CG rend- the tunnel, yeah. renders, just go yeah. through the portal thing. Right, and the kind of the end result of like what they've pieced together is going on is there was an experiment with teleportation. Yeah. And this like tunnel thing before them, this portal, somehow it works, but they never figured out how to like control it. There's no console that just like yeah. you can like program the date and go or something. Yeah, there's no flux capacitor or anything mm-hmm. like that. So when they go through it, though, that's when it just kind of fades to mm-hmm. now we're looking at, um, I think that's where we're back out in the snow now, right? Yep. Yeah, it's like the camera's laying in the snow. It's outside that bunker. Because Jensen's theory is that maybe if you focus and yeah. think on a place... You visualize where you want to go. That will like guide its, the teleportation. And they decide they should pick some place close, so they think about the outside of the bunker. Because they've seen so that they recently. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, it, what it's now showing them laying together in a stream. Mm-hmm. And it's the same scene we've seen before of the people from the 50s right? that are laying in this stream face down, basically. Yep, they're there. The camera's laying, kind of facing them off yeah. to the side. We see the soldiers come up. Well, first it's... Um, oh, you're right, yeah. It's like two... Uh, Al- Alia, the mm-hmm. woman that we see earlier in the film, it's her younger, discovering yeah. their two bodies laying there. Right. Yeah, and then the soldiers come up and they're like, you know, we got them, go away. You know, it's all fine. This area's quarantined. Get out of here. And I like it because when they talk to her earlier in the film, she mentions like the two people, they had a weird machine with them. Mm-hmm. And when you loop it back around now, that was their camera. Yeah, the and she didn't know what machine. it was. Yeah. And they take the bodies into the bunker. And yeah, the guys, the officers picking up the camera and looking at it like, what is this? And they're the remarking sad- on their clothing, how their clothing looks weird. Well, the sad thing is, is it's Russia. So you don't know if it's modern day or or not. <laughs> it really wow. could have been. It, it could have been like it's, it's the same clothes and well, everything. Also, the bunker is operational yeah. and staffed. So that also lets you know that we're back in the past. And when they are, in you the, never know. It's when, Russia. And when they are in the bunker before, then they do find the camera because they watch the footage. And then yeah, he's like, "Right, oh, we skipped that part." Yeah. yeah, he says, "Fast forward to right now and see what's happening right now." And, and it's it, showing right now. Yeah, it's like that scene in Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when will then be now? Very soon, sir. <laughs> so then you see them hang these bodies up on these meat hook things that we saw earlier mm-hmm. in yeah, the film, and they're already looking all weird and messed up. The bodies are like... They mutating. look very similar to the poorly rendered <laughs> monster, things. monster things. Right. Um, and as if as if you didn't already know that it was <laughs> them, Yeah. Um, we get a slow turn of the corpse-looking body, and then you see the uh, angel tattoo that is referenced at the beginning of the film. Right. And the bodies start jerking and coming to life. Yeah. So. so it's basically we just have now a time loop yep. sort of a thing that's going on. And then... End of the film. There's a cool spot, too, in that final scene with the teleportation thing. Uh, earlier in the film, they talk about Slaughterhouse-Five. Yeah. Like Kurt Vonnegut. Mm. And then it's really great when they're about to step through. Uh, they're nervous. They kind of hold hands. And then they quote apart from that book. Everything is all right, and everybody has to do exactly what he does. Yeah. And if you know the book, the book has to do with a guy that gets unstuck in time and mm. kind of jumps to all sorts of different eras and time periods. See, I'd actually never read Slaughterhouse-Five, so I figured... So it's a very subtle reference, but it's a good reference because it's fitting the narrative they're trying to tell. Right. And I'm a sucker for that, you know, that kind of closed loop, that doomed fate Right, there's nothing they can do. Yeah. And so even though I mistook the name, (laughs) I still found it Lovecraftian. Sure. Like, I I still found it... 
like even once I realized that it was the you know not the name of the ship and it was the USS Eldredge. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was still like, well, that doesn't necessarily ruin the Lovecraftian thing for me because it's still easily it's mysteries of the unknown. Yeah, it's still know, easily it's... something you could read in a Lovecraft pastiche of some sort. And those creatures don't look unlike ghouls or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. It's the same thing of someone uncovering something that's far greater and expands their sense of like the world yeah, around them. You can't really comprehend it. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I don't know. I guess we'll get into yeah, let's, talking let's about. Does anyone have it. anything else about the film itself before we go on? Well, there was really Jason. And I mentioned this um, before you you came over today, and I, I know you're not currently watching Loki, mm. um, but in the most recent episode, um, the USS Eldridge gets dropped into a oh. multiverse thing. Yeah, it was a weird. And that's all about time travel, right? Like that show. Yeah, yeah. like the multiverse and like different branches of time and everything. That, and it was yeah, just that came together very. A little, it was really weird. very weird that yeah. we watched this, and then literally that episode of Loki is like, mm. what? That's cool. That's cool. Because I had to look that up. That's actually where I found out it wasn't the USS Eldridge. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's interesting. That's so similar. I wonder if that's well, fuck. <laughs> Nice. I have two little fun facts I'll throw out. Sure. So the director, Rennie Harlan, he's been a lot of time researching the incident himself. His own professed theory is that he thinks it was some sort of government experiment that went wrong. Okay. He didn't elaborate further on that, but hmm. that's his own take. Yeah. And uh, if you dig the idea of this, there's a really good video game just called Colot, the mm. name of the mountain. And it's one of those like horror walking simulator things where you don't do much other than just like kind of move through areas mm-hmm. or like run from stuff, and you just like experience a you know neat little horror story thing with good visuals and sound and stuff. Uh, it's pretty fun. I've played it before. It's only a few hours long. Did it scare you? It was pretty scary. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. It got a, it got a jump or two. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So if you if you dig this uh, Jetlov past stuff, look into that game too. Cool. Cool. Uh, another thing I'll just say about it, I mean, it's, as far as found footage movie, I think it looks nice. You've got that natural scenery, so that helps as mm-hmm. it is. All the great mountains and snow and stuff, very desolate. And I always find that very scary anyway. The setting, it's that nothing but cold, you know, and snow and ice and rocks. It's like... Ugh. It's one of those things that makes the thing, John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah. So oh, yeah. It's that isolation and just inhospitability of the... You know, environment. It's it's, it's scary. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a natural. You, you can't screw that up for a setting, <laughs> right? It didn't look fun to shoot. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sure it was. It looks like maybe the reason that the the main actress didn't do much afterwards. She's like, that's the way all films are <laughs> fucking done with this bullshit. Um, so I'll give my impression of the film. All right, final thoughts. I really enjoyed it. I was really surprised how much I liked it. Um. I'm going to say, like, if I had to rate it, I'll probably go, like, three you and a half. You do have to rate it. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go three and a half. Like, okay. borderline four, because I'd totally watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things about it that I wish were different, like, mm-hmm. different direction and stuff like that. It's, one of the things that really took me out of it was when she lost her American accent. Yeah, that's like, pretty harsh. Also, why why didn't you just reshoot that? Like, why didn't you just be like, you you slipped out of character. Let's reshoot. The, I, that, to me, that's just sloppy. Hey, digital video ain't cheap. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's just a little bit sloppy. So I was, yeah. you know, those kind of things bothered me. But overall, it was enough to keep me really interested in it. I like the kind of bleakness of it. I, I, I like that it wasn't a happy ending. Yeah. 
Um, and it also didn't really give a full answer ending either. Like it gives you, it answers the question, but not the way you want it answered. Right. So I don't know. I really dug it, man. I cool. Was, I'm pretty nice. happy Adrian mentioned yeah. this one because I would have, this is not something I would have found really? hmm. and been like, oh, I need to watch this. If I had seen this on Netflix, I probably would have just ignored it just off of the cover alone. Same. Yeah. I guess to do my thoughts, uh, I did knock it hard, you know, on the CG. But all that said, I think if I had to rate it, I would actually give it four out of five. Because mm. there are problems, you know, the acting's not very tight, like you were talking about. They could have definitely, you know, shortened things up there a little bit. That CG is atrocious. I hate it. But in the scheme of this movie, that is one scene. Yeah. And when the rest of it is so enjoyable, so interesting, so compelling, pulling on all these different ideas and blending them together and really presenting them in a way that strings you along through the film well, that you're never just like, well, I know what's going to happen because it's, it's going to be this, obviously. Mm-hmm. They really play to the mystery well. And yeah, I loved it. Cool. So, awesome. Four out of five. Yeah, nice. Jason? As I mentioned before, I had seen this. Shortly after it came out, and I think it was on Netflix, and I was happily impressed by it because especially... Then, because that was the earlier days of Netflix, you know, mm-hmm. 2013 was when the film came out, and yeah. then Netflix, was... and there was a, a dross of just mediocrity everywhere. <laughs> so, for something to rise above that crap that you're watching constantly was doubly impressive. You know, it was, it was a nice surprise at the mm-hmm. time. Um, and watching it again, it's held up pretty well. I like it. I, I think I would give it three and a half, like you, Michael. Okay, nice. Yeah. So we're all kind of in the yeah. ballpark. Yeah, but I think it, it rises above its limitations. And it's an odd film for Rennie Harlan, someone who was always just this very kind of kinetic, flashy, showy sort of director. I mean, a part of it's the budget, obviously, but it's mm-hmm. it's stripped down and it's kind of cool seeing him do something that's just back to basics. Yeah. I think if you are a found footage fan... it's a, You gotta see it. It's a must-see yeah. if you like found footage stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're kind of into, like, you know, the Lovecraftian type thing... Messing around with things that are bigger, and it's—I like that you've talked about that too, because it's probably one of someone made a list of like Lovecraftian films. They would never want to list this because they probably wouldn't think that it like hits enough. Yeah, but I think it does actually. If you look at it, I think if you go, I mean, it's really easy to put the term Lovecraftian on something mm-hmm. if it's just remotely unexplainable. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, I think the only thing missing from this was a cultist. Right. You well, know, it's somebody of doom too. That yeah. People, people forget is very Lovecraftian. Yeah. Just that, that fate, that doom, this isn't going to end well. You know, there's no, there's no reprieve. Like I'm kind of <laughs> thinking of in my head, I'm kind of thinking of the void. Yeah. You know, at the end scene of the void with the, the portal kind of a thing that they're trying to open. Like the main difference in this one, I feel like is that you didn't have someone purposefully trying to do it right in front of you. It seems more like, oops, we fucked up and now we can't stop this. And so, or it was a natural occurrence, which that's almost more Lovecraftian because there is no big, like maniacal villain behind it. You just like fucked up and wandered into the wrong thing. Yeah. Right. Like the mist is kind of that way. It's an uncaring universe. You know, like the government's doing an experiment or something. They tap into something they should not be tapping into. And then you pay the price and you get like monstrous things happening. So that's kind of in the same vein of that. Mm. I think there's a lot to like here. Oh, yeah. I I recommend it. So um, I guess I got to do something now. Well, I guess yeah. first we should say thank you so much, Adrian, for yeah, the suggestion. Absolutely. Good suggestion. Keep them coming. Uh, when you send us one, if you want us to shout you out in a certain way, if you've got like a Twitter handle, Instagram, something, we will be glad to mention that. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, share some love. But yeah, just send us stuff to watch. Please. All right, so now we're going to go back in our rotation. We kind of mm-hmm. treat um, uh, a recommendation for our stuff almost like a fourth person. Yep. So it's once you, we, the listeners. Yeah, once we finish um, around here, it'll be your suggestion. So you're the fourth person. And so I guess it's back to me now. I've uh, been kind of settling on this one, deciding what I wanted to do. Um, this is definitely not a horror film. Okay. Um, but we argue about this. <laughs> it's not a horror film, but it's hard to watch. Um, but I'm going to go with The Nightingale. Cool. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. It is from Jennifer Kent. Isn't that yep. her name? Jennifer Kent. Babadook. Right, sir. Directed The Babadook. Um, Love The Babadook. Wanted to watch this. I've never got around to it. So. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah it's, it's you, on my list. You both have been telling me how much you wanted to watch it. It affected me a lot mm. when I saw it, so I'm really happy to show it. And I'm hoping that more people will get to see this film and be affected by it. So next time, we'll be watching The Nightingale. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening and uh, just having fun talking about movies with us. Um, again, I can't say it enough. Send us some recommendations. Please. Hit us up on Twitter, on uh, Instagram. Facebook. Facebook. All email. Genreexposure at gmail.com. We've never had an email before. Send us one, please. Because people are like, we don't email. We get we'll, junk emails. Yeah. <laughs> we'll tweet you or we'll DM you. Or, yeah. I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah, who emails anymore? Yeah. We, lo- we love movies and we want to talk with you. Get in touch. Well, until next time, thank you guys so much. Later, guys. Take care.